think we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding, the world is going to know it. We rock it like we're never going to see us again. Come on over. PM and Pure Gold is live on the air for this December 27th, 2011. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Bacino, a disgruntled Joe Bacino, along with my tag team partner and co-host David Gomez. Sir, how are you? <laughs> Sir, I am doing fabulous. What a wonderful, and I mean wonderful weekend, a wonderful Saturday, a wonderful Sunday. <laughs> it is truly Pure gold heaven. This week is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime PG show. You had a great weekend. Not only was it Christmas Eve and Christmas, sir, but your teams swept my teams, basically. You had the Jets losing to the Giants, and you had the Knicks beating the Celtics. So you did have a pure gold weekend. Absolutely, sir. It it felt good, and like I said, it's going to make for some definitely uh, some good sports talk tonight, sir. Yeah, so before we break into that, I know we have a guest on the line, so let's give out the contact information and get the show on the road for the last show of 2011. Of course, sir. The call-in number, as always, 714-364-4721. Our website, as always, folks, puregoldpg.com, where you can check out our Facebook, our YouTube, our Twitter, and all those other wonderful things. Of course, you can check out all of our past guests. And our guest for this evening um, is a part of a circuit, uh, a specific circuit. We've had quite a few guests on, but we're going to break that down in a second. Again, to call in tonight, 714-364-4721. And without any further ado, I would like to introduce Miss Pennsylvania, USA, 2011, the one and the only Amber Joy uh, Watkins, Amber was also, uh, we're going to get into some minutes, she's also an uh, answer for the 76ers. And, uh, Amber, how are you doing this evening? I'm great. going to be better. How are you? I am doing fabulous. We thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, spend here in Pure Gold. And, Amber, um, you know, as I mentioned in my little intro there, we have had quite a few uh, women from the Miss USA circuit. We actually started the whole thing off with Miss USA 2010, who was also Miss Michigan, uh, Rima Fakia, and we've had Miss Oklahoma, we had a couple of Miss Arizonas, you know, Miss Texas. We finally, and we're, we're, Joe and I are both here from New Jersey, we're based on the East Coast, so we finally moved up specifically to get to, to our hometown. So we, we ended up with Miss New Jersey, and now, of course, we have you, Miss Pennsylvania, the uh, the next state over. And, uh, you know, let's just, let's get right into this. You, uh, like I said, you were Miss, uh, Miss Pennsylvania. What got you into the whole uh, pageant scene? I mean, was it something you always wanted to do as a kid, or did you just, kind of one day, you know, decide, hey, I'm going to try modeling and see if it works. Right. Oh, I definitely did not grow up um, in the pageant world, and I never saw myself as Miss Pennsylvania. It actually wasn't until I was a freshman in college. Um, there was a girl who was a senior. I went to University of Pennsylvania, and she won okay. Miss Pennsylvania USA, and I was like, you know what, I want to do that one day. So eventually I didn't. But she was the, she was the one who... who kind of introduced me to the pageant world, and she was the reason why I decided to compete. And then once I saw her, I got to know some of the other title holders, and then always impressed with the title holders. They're always amazing women from all different backgrounds. So I knew it was something right. I eventually wanted to do. Now, Natal, since you uh, you mentioned how you, you went to Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania, what was it like to represent your home state, um, you know, in the Miss, Miss Pennsylvania pageant and actually go ahead and win it? Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. I mean, I, I'm like a true Philly girl. So I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. I went to high school here, danced for the, the Philadelphia 76ers, went to UPenn, which is right in uh, West Philadelphia. So I'm like a real Philly girl. So to be able to um, – I just feel like it was kind of like my destiny. Like, it was, it was amazing. I'm a Philly girl, and a Philly girl won the Miss Pennsylvania. You know, a real Philly girl won the Miss Pennsylvania title, and I was really proud and, and happy, and I knew a lot of it came from the support of Philly people. Um, so it was a really proud moment, wow, and I'm really grateful that. for it. That's awesome. I mean, 
you know, we got asked the specifics on uh, what you needed to be or to do to represent different states, and I, I figured you'd have to be, like, raised there, born there or something, but they said you just have to live there for, like, six months, and you can represent any state you want, but in your case, it's awesome that you actually represented the state that you're from, and you, you know, like you said, grew up there your whole life. Right. Exactly. Now, now, Amber, can you tell us what it was like to compete in the Miss USA pageant? Sure. Um, well, we went out. It was held in Vegas this year and in June, and so we were actually there for three weeks. I mean, what the public sees is just, you know, that that two-hour final competition that is like the final day of our three-week competition, but really we're out there for weeks, and we're, it's like a lot of work. It's a lot of fun as, as well, but it's a lot of work. So um, in the weeks leading up to the Miss USA pageant, we have a lot of appearances that we do. We have, um, you know, like charity work that we were doing. We had TV appearances. We had appearances around the uh, host property. We had a ton of rehearsals, um, fittings um, for hair and makeup. And so it was just a really, really busy time. Um, certainly... I mean, it, I, it was an incredible time, but it was, like, one of the most exhausting, uh, definitely the most exhausting trip that I've ever taken. Right. Now, what was the most, what would you say was the most valuable piece of advice that a family or friend gave you when you were competing for this? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> wow. The most valuable piece of advice. Well, I, I guess, like, there's a, there's a few things. Um, one, in terms of pageantry, Confidence is everything, and you kind of have to, it comes from the inside. You have to really feel like you deserve to win, and then from there, once you feel like you deserve to win, you start to look like you deserve to win, and you act like you deserve to win, and you kind of like, I felt like I was the best version of myself going into Miss USA. So it's just like more mental than anything. I don't know if that's really advice, but I I think that's the biggest part of pageantry. Right. So. Now, uh, one thing one thing I should have asked you earlier, but uh, i got to throw this in here now, was Miss, the Miss Pennsylvania USA, was that your first pageant? I mean, or were you, some, you know, gone through a couple of them and then finally won this one? Because most of our guests, interestingly enough, actually almost all of them have told us that their first time ever they won, and we had one guest who tried like four different times, and she finally won the, you know, Miss Texas. I actually competed three times. So the first time I competed, I was the first runner-up. So I was oh, wow. almost there, but I didn't win the first time. Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I was the first runner-up the first time, and um, and I kind of figured, I, I kind of left the pageant world after that. I, I like I put so much work into it, and, you know, I, I was like, oh, man, I should have won. And so I, I left it alone for a while. I didn't go back the next year or the following year. I went back... Um, three years later, and that time I became the third runner-up. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and so, again, I was like, you know, it's just not for me, but I stayed in contact with the girl who won that year, and she became my mentor, and she was like, you know, Amber, if this is something that you want, you have to go after it. You have to do it again. You know, if you really want this, you'll do it again. So I did do it again, and I won. So wow. I, I competed three times. Well, that's good stuff. You finally, uh, you, you, you know, you achieved your dream. So um, yeah. you know, over the course over the course of uh, several years, I mean, what would you say? Uh, what did you learn from that whole experience? I mean, you, you know, you said it wasn't for you at one point, and then finally, it, it came to be. I mean, I know the cliche would be persistence pays off, but uh, is there anything you learned from that whole pageant experience? Sure, I think I always had the. I grew up as a dancer, obviously, like I was used to being on stage, so I always had the confidence. But there are certain things about pageantry just. In terms of being prepared, I think each time that I came, I was better prepared um, for the for the pageant stage. I mean, there's kind of I don't want to call them tricks, but there's there's you know there are pageant ways, there are things you're supposed to do as a pageant pageant girl, and I just kind of learned those things um, throughout those years. Right, right. Well, now Amber, you went to Penn State University, and obviously. You said University, University of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. University of Pennsylvania. Okay. University of Pennsylvania. I'm, I'm, my question, I guess, is about Penn State University. Um, just wondering, have you been following what's been going on there in the last couple months, and what are your thoughts? I have been following it. You know, it's so hard for me to, like, wrap my head around it. I think it's just a, a disgusting situation. Right. Um, and I'd like to see the kids that um, have justice, and I really would like, you know, 
I don't know, I just want the kids to have justice, and I want everyone who is involved to have some accountability for it. You know, like, if, if it is true that people in the administration knew about what was going on, I think that there needs to be some punishment and some accountability for that. And it's just a very sad situation. I, you know, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around it. It's just difficult. Yeah, right. I, I, I could definitely, uh, I mean, we can imagine that. We actually had a couple of people, uh, you know, Penn State alumni, people who are in the, uh, in the, you know, actually go to Penn State now. So, you know, we covered it quite extensively here, and obviously the, the media has covered it. And it's a shame that these kids who have, uh, you know, parents trust these, these, these men, these mentors, and then these horrible, horrible things happen, you know. And, uh, you know, I always say, I, I said this last time, and it's kind of, uh, there's no way to talk to go away from this topic and to segue cleanly, but one thing that Joe and I are both curious about is you mentioned this at the beginning of the uh, interview. You danced for the 76ers. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, that was also, like, one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I think it um, shaped part of who I am today because um, I had been dancing right. all my life, you know, in dance school, and then all of a sudden I auditioned for the Sixers, and all of a sudden I was a professional dancer. So it was amazing. I had wow. it was a a dream come true. And um, as you know, like the the Sixers, or excuse me, the basketball season is very long, and there are about like forty some home games. So um, it, it, it's a job, you know, like learning all those right. dances for all the games. And but it's also a very fun job. Some of the girls that I um, met on the team when I was a rookie are still my best friends today. So that's definitely wow. it was a really valuable experience. I had some of my uh, first photo shoots when I was um, on the Sixers, so that exposed me to that industry, kind of like I got more into modeling after doing those photo shoots with the Sixers. And I met a ton of people. Like, the networking is incredible. Um, you know, people started to recognize me, and it was it was a good time. It was perfect. Does, does this mean, Amber, that you're a sports fan? I'm a huge, huge uh, football fan. Uh, the Sixers, as you know, uh, have struggled for the past few years. So it's, uh, I started going to the games again last year, but um, I don't follow them as much as I follow the Eagles. So so you're big Eagles I mean, fan. I still love my Sixers, but like, it, I enjoy watching the Eagles more than I do enjoy watching the Sixers. Yeah, unfortunately, they got eliminated. I think this past week from playoff contention, but um, right because you know, the Jets. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just my team, the Jets. You know, they, they not only did they lose and make me miserable, but they made the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagle fans miserable. So, you know, exactly. misery loves company. What can I tell you? Um, but how about <laughs> how about in baseball? Do you like the Phillies? I do like the Phillies. I don't follow. I mean, I'll sit down and I'll it doesn't matter who's around. I'll sit down and watch a football game. Um, but like Phillies games, I'll watch socially. So, I know we have an amazing team though. We have some. Amazing players on the Phillies. Cool. Wow. Now, uh, as far as uh, the whole experience of the 76ers, going back to that for one second, did you uh, did you interact with the players at all? I mean, did you get to talk to them or meet them or anything? Uh, to an extent. So there's rules with um, the dancers in the in the team. So you're not supposed to fraternize. You're really not supposed to really talk to them at all. But obviously, um, we yeah. did appearances together and stuff. So it's natural. You have to say hi and you know so. I know some of the players, especially now that I'm not on the team anymore and I'm allowed to, to speak to them. I know them on a high and by basis, but that's pretty much the end of it, just high and by. They know who I am. I know who they are, and that's it. Wow, cool. What are you currently working on, Amber? Like, what, what projects have you been um, doing lately? I've just been doing a lot of gigs. So I have an agency that I work for here in Philadelphia. And so they'll send me on different castings. Um, sometimes it's like QVC, sometimes it's um, commercials, sometimes it's a print ad. Um, the most recent commercial I did was for a casino. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just an event that they'll, they'll have me on, but I'm basically focusing on that, just different jobs through my agency. I also have a website, but we're actually uh, changing our service, so it's not up right now, but we'll be doing a lot of things, hopefully, in 2012. It's called phillyin.com. Well, we're all about free cheap plugs. Why don't you just plug it anyway to the audience? Sure. dot com, and it's all things Philly. Um, we talk about um, sports, dating, uh, specifically in Philadelphia, dining in Philadelphia, the nightlife uh, or events, 
uh, we just cover all things that we think are interesting in Philadelphia. I have three partners for that website. Well, that, that, that's definitely some good stuff. Yeah, I, know, I noticed that one uh, when we found you over on Twitter. Now, uh, how can the fans get in touch with you, Amber? How can they follow your career and what's going on? Um, actually, my favorite way of communicating with people is through Twitter. Um, I have Facebook. You can look me up on Facebook at Amber Joy Watkins. But if you want like an immediate response, you just hit me up on Twitter. And my Twitter name is at Miss Amber Joy, and that's M I S S A M B E R J O I. I'm really good with Twitter. I'm not as good with Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed and a lot of the girls that we've got on the show it's been through Twitter and you know, communicating with you was also through Twitter, mm-hmm. so it's definitely a good way to uh to keep in touch and I've noticed a lot of uh, a lot of the girls and just in general guests that we've gotten are usually pretty good with Twitter. So uh, you know, again Amber, we thank you so very much and uh you know, we obviously wish you much success in the future and, and appreciate you giving us some time here on Pure Gold and hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Yeah, I hope so. I'm gonna Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to stay around and listen. I'm curious to hear what you guys are going to say about uh, about uh, sports this weekend. So I'm going to log in online and, and listen to the rest of the show. Sweet. Thank you. We, we, we yeah. definitely appreciate it, Amber. All right, guys. Have a good night. You too. Folks, that was the Bye. one and only Amber Joy Watkins, who was Miss Pennsylvania 2011. Very uh, very nice, you know, charming girl. So uh, we definitely appreciate that. Uh, Joe, and it's interesting. I know I said it to Amber, but all the guests that we've gotten from the Miss USA pageant circuit, they've all been great, you know, and each guest seems to almost surpass the, the last guest. Uh, so we definitely appreciate the girls taking time out because there's so many things that they could do. And, of course, uh, any guest that comes on Pure Gold, you know, we treat them with respect and we just love having them on. So uh, it's great to have uh, have them. You know, I'm still trying to see, working on a couple more. Um, you know, next week we're actually going to have somebody from a, the, a different pageant circuit who's going to join us. It's Caitlin uh, Wozniak. Sorry, her uh, her Twitter handle is different, but uh, Kate, Caitlin Wozniak, who's, who was Marilyn Miss uh, in 2011, she's going to be joining us, and it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, eating disorder awareness and just you know again the pageant circuit as well but but, but a little bit different than uh, what we had with Amber but you know she was a great guest and we definitely uh, you know we're always glad to have uh, have people come on and, and talk you know what's interesting JB is the uh, you know we had Brittany who was a dancer for the Suns and uh, Amber who's a dancer for Seventy Sixers but she's you know the the Seventy Sixers are so terrible there's not that there's not much to talk about there sir there really isn't but uh, like you said these ladies are really uh, nice to us anyway, and I think that they definitely parlay, you know, their um, their fame and their looks into something just uh, for a bigger purpose, and that's what I'm learning is that they're not just doing it for themselves and they're just doing it for a higher purpose. Of course, and, and all of them have really come across as just, like, sweet, caring people who just, uh, you know, want to help out and, of course, do charity work and stuff like that. And, you know, I think it's great because... When you're in a position, it's like I told Alicia, um, you know, Miss Arizona 2009. Regardless of what they might think, they're celebrities, you know. They're they're in a position that you and I are not in. I mean, thank God, because who would want to see us modeling, uh, you know, (laughs) some type of male pageant. But uh, you know, these women are in a position of fame and 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 celebrity, where you know, I mean, people know Miss U. You mentioned Miss USA. Everybody knows Miss USA. You know, you mentioned that we had this date on and that date on, and people are like, oh, really? Wow, you know. So. They're in a position, a unique position to be, and I said I say this all the time, and for every guest that we have, I'll say it, they can be such great role models for young women who need them. I think about my daughter, I think about your daughter. You know, my, my daughter's only two and a half months old, but eventually she's going to be looking up to people like this. Um, and, you know, it's important that they stay on the right path and they stay doing the charity work and stay helping out because, I mean, this world needs as much positive influence as they can get. And when you look at the world of sports, uh, so many athletes and so many people, so many just miserable, you know what's out there who, you know, athletes just give give a uh, put a bad taste in your mouth. And uh, speaking of bad taste, sir, speaking of uh, being in a bad mood, let's talk, sir. We need to get into some football talk. We need to break it. We need to break it down, PG style. <laughs> we need to talk about the absolute debacle. That was your New York Jets. So, what could I say other than the fact that I rushed home to see that mess of a game? Uh, as a Jet fan, um, you know they came out early and they came out with a quick seven nothing lead, and I thought that you know they were going to be able to to increase their lead in that first quarter. And when they didn't, and they started sputtering, 
I think the Giants almost woke up and said, wait a minute, we're playing the Jets here, a team that their offense isn't clicking right now, their defense isn't clicking right now. Uh, you know, let's wake up. And, and that's what they did. They started playing um, some decent ball. I think um, – I even think that they played better than the Cow. They played the Cowboys a couple weeks ago that Sunday night. I just think that their defense was better. But then again, um, you know, the Jets have had many flaws, and I just don't like the fact that we're gonna we're always gonna look back at the quarterback and say he's the reason. I don't think he's the reason all the time. I think again, you know, there's a lot of different problems with this team right now. You have problems on the offensive line. You have problems of. Uh, an offensive coordinator that doesn't really know what the hell he's doing, and then you have an offensive coordinator <laughs> that doesn't communicate with your head coach. And when that doesn't happen week to week or during the week for prep time, I think that's a bad message. I mean, it's almost like Rex is saying, I have no faith in you, or the fact that I'm going to fire you at the end of the season. So, uh, sir, I think the team is a mess. It's going to take a miracle for this team to get into the playoffs now. Let's face it, they have to win, and I think three or four teams have to lose. I think the Bengals the Oakland Raiders, the Broncos, one of those two teams, and the Tennessee Titans all have to lose, and they just have to actually win in Miami against a team, sir, that's playing really well lately. They could have actually beat the Patriots this past week, but they didn't. Um, but, you know, again, they're gonna, the Jets are going to run to a Dolphin team that is going to be wanting revenge. They have no head coach. They fired him a couple weeks ago. So they have nothing really to lose other than to spoil the Jets' um, slim hopes of making the playoffs. So, the game itself, I mean, after the 7 nothing lead, like I said, I really thought that they would take off. They didn't. The Giants came back, and that Victor Cruz play just took the air out of the team. I mean, it was a 99-yard run. That that run just sucked the air out of the stadium, sucked the air out of the team. And, sir, now you are one win away from winning the division. Yes, sir, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting, but getting back to the Jets for a second. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the thing about Rex because I heard today on the fan on the morning show, great morning show, by the way, with our guest from last week, the wonderful Kim Jones, and I mean wonderful. I love listening to her, and I had the, the Cotton and Chris Carlin on there from WFN. That was that was definitely a great show. Uh, it's interesting because I was, I was tweeting it up in uh, the66wfn.net, which is not the official website. They uh, you know they plug us once in a while with cheap plugs. But, um, you know, the guy who runs that was saying how much uh, – you know, he, he was turning the station. said he was listening to Imus for the first time in four years because of that. But with me, it was one of the first times I do listen to the morning show because I can't, you know, I can't stand uh, Carton and Boomer, but, well, mostly Carton. But, um, you know, I was listening to that. They talked about it, and Rex seemed like he was really distancing himself from the play calling. And, I mean, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, you know, has had not had a ton of success. And then his son, you know, Brian, uh, in terms of what he's doing, it's just, it just seems like he's just following that same slop fest. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's a good guy. I remember hearing a couple of weeks back that some supposedly people were offering a head coaching job. I don't know who's on crack out there in college or in the NFL offering this fool a head coaching job. But I tell you, sir, um, things don't look good for your team. Um, I mean, they need so much to win, uh, so much to get in. It's, it's definitely not going to be easy for them. But, um, you know, obviously I'm glad that my team was able to, to pull it off. But, you know, I, what I don't understand, sir, and you can chime in on this, is why is it everybody seems to throw everything? They basically throw Mark Sanchez under the bus like he's the head coach, like he's the offensive coordinator, like he's doing everything. He's the running back. He's the wide receiver. It's, you know, and my dad, who's a Jets fan, has mentioned it too. I, I just honestly don't understand. Why does everybody rip so much on Sanchez? I mean, this, he's not. they make it seem like he's the worst quarterback on the planet. I know. I mean, two years in a row, the guy gets you to the AFC title game, and this year, um, the team has regressed as a whole. It's not just him that's regressed. I just think that they don't know what kind of offense to run. And honestly, um, it's it, it might fall on the offensive coordinator, but ultimately it falls onto the head coach. If you're not um, communicating with your offensive coordinator throughout the week and going over game plans on, on everything, I think the blame has to be on you. And, and Rex, I mean, He'll be Rex, like he said. He wants to. He'll keep talking. He'll keep doing this. But eventually, you're going to start annoying other teams, and eventually, that you know, you're going to do the same thing that the the Mets with Jose Reyes did. Remember against against the Marlins a couple of years ago, when the Marlins had nothing to play for, and they swept the Mets and they didn't make the playoffs. That was already what three years ago now. Um, no, I think more like four. Four years ago. So even though Rex Ryan loves to to boost his team. I think he needs to tone it down when he's talking about other teams. 
I think that it's all right to make you know make it seem like your team's the best team, whatever, whatever. But when you start attacking or just start making smart remarks about the other team, you wake a sleeping giant, quote unquote, or a pun. You woke up a sleeping giant last week. You you know this team, the Giants, had just lost. To the Washington Redskins, brutal, brutal loss. It was a brutal loss to the Washington Redskins at home. And then you, you, you could have kept your mouth shut. You could have actually, you could have actually made the Giants' heads bigger by saying their defense is really good and we got to really watch them. I mean, I, I, I sort of think that um, Rex Ryan, with his mouth this past week, didn't help the Jets at all. No, uh, and it's interesting because I asked you last week, do you like the fact that Rex talks the way that he talks? Talks the smack that he does, and you you seem to like it, and uh, it seems like you're backtracking with you know typical Jets fan. But what I find interesting, sir, is when I listen to sports talk radio, and I listen to you know I listen to considerably less of it now because I am so busy with the baby and everything. But you know when I get a chance, I have the the Radio.com app on my phone, um, on my uh, you know my little LG Double Play sweet little number that that is. So I'm able to really listen to the, to the radio. Sometimes it'll pop up when I'm driving out of nowhere. But so many fans, Jets fans, seem to buy into the Rex Ryan Kool-Aid, and that's fine. But, you know, they're talking about that the Giants are jealous of the Jets and this and that. Really? The Giants are jealous of what exactly? I mean, uh, am I mistaken? Did the Jets win the Super Bowl when I, was, when I wasn't looking, when I wasn't paying attention? I mean, are we talking two, two uh, Super Bowl titles, two Lombardi trophies raised, or are we talking, the, the, you know, getting to the AFC Championship game two years in a row? Yeah, that's good. Your first two years as a head coach, absolutely. I'll give Rex all the credit in the world. But you know, let's calm down a bit, a bit, big guy, and I mean big guy. Let's calm down just a little bit because your team needs to suck it up. They need to man it up, and they need to do something. Don't come here and tell me next year that the Jets are the best team in the NFL. They're not the best team in the NFL. They've proven they're not the best team in the NFL three years in a row. So don't keep running your mouth talking about how the Jets are this, the Jets are that, the best team, yada yada yada. They're not. They have talent, yes. They took a huge step back this year. Oh, they're going to the Super Bowl. Oh, they're going to win it all. Yeah, okay, Rex. What are you going to tell us next year? They're going to win the World Series? I don't want to hear it, Rex. Pipe down and just, you know, get it done. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not backtracking on my what I'm saying about Rex Ryan. I just think that he could talk all he wants. But, you know, honestly, you got to take a look at this team and see that they're, they're just not that good. And for him to just, um, no, just for him to... You know, pump them up. Okay, do that, but don't irate the other team. Um, but Joe, by by default, anything he says publicly is going to upset the other team, and that's the whole issue. If Rex and, and Greg Giannani, another one of our great guests, was on the fan today, this is definitely a, this was this was a pure gold show, sir. Uh, <laughs> the WFN lineup because in the morning you had Kim Jones in in the. Uh, for the morning show, from the ten to one to two hour, you had Greg Giannotti, and then two uh, the Mike Francesa slot. We had the Moose, Mark Melissa. So it was a pure gold who's who on WFAN. But sir, aside from that, all they need is Greg Sussman to do the overnight and, uh, and Evan Roberts to call in. But uh, other than that, you know, Giannotti said, "Yeah, you want Rex to be that guy behind closed doors, but the guys who should be talking or not talking are the players. You don't want to hear. You don't want to hear this goof." who has no credibility anymore, talking about how his team is the best. Let the players talk that kind of smack. Let the players talk that garbage, and you've said it. But anything he says publicly, the other team is going to use his fodder, and it's going to turn, it's going to piss them off. That's what seems to happen with the Giants. And, yeah, it wasn't a sloppy, it wasn't a clean game. It was sloppy as anything. But the Jets got their butts kicked. The, Joe, there was a play towards the end of the, uh, I think in the middle of the fourth quarter. I forget exactly since there's so many things going on uh, right now. Um but there was a play where Mark Sanchez fumbled the ball. It was called an incomplete pass. I don't know how. If the Giants had gotten that ball, most likely they would have scored. I mean, the Giants could have literally blown the Jets out. They could have blown the doors off that game. And, yeah, 15 points or whatever is still pretty decent. But that that could have been 35, 36, 30. They could have been 40 to, to 14, you know. And the Jets should be embarrassed of themselves. The, the effort that they put on Saturday, the Jets should be embarrassed. They had destiny in their hands. They no longer have it. And if my team goes out there and lays a, lays a goose egg against the, the Cowboys, you know come uh, next week to third, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be spitting venom. But the truth is the Giants did what they had to do, and they're in the position to win the win the NFC and make it to the playoffs. And anything can happen in the playoffs. Yeah. You know? They played the, the Dallas Cowboys, a team that they pretty much owned the last couple of years. And Romo's hurt. We don't know if he's going to play. If he, if he doesn't play, let's face it, folks, uh, the, the Cowboys have no shot. I mean, even though they, they, they pick on Romo, he's actually had a good year. If you look at his stats this year, he's had a really good year. So without Romo, the Giants are probably going to run away with this game. And I know they haven't played good at home, 
but I think they have enough momentum now to actually win the division and beat the Cowboys and probably play like, I don't know, the Falcons or whoever the other wildcard team is at this point. Because, um, and I think the Giants could actually win that game and then move on to the second round, believe it or not. Um, I'm not saying this is 2007 by any means, but I'm also saying that the Giants, it depends on who they're playing. And I think that, you know, playing the Cowboys is a great thing for them, especially since they've owned them the last couple of years, like I said. Uh, it'd be interesting. And, you know, another thing that I just want to mention about the game, too, I think it's pretty Bush League. I don't know whose idea what this was, but do you know that the the Jets, whether it was the owner, whether it was the general manager, whether it was the coach, Rex Ryan, which I wouldn't be surprised, they actually covered the championship banners of the Super Bowls of the New York Giants. <laughs> that sounds like something that would be done by your scumbag Jets. And I tell you, the Jets are quickly becoming one of the most disliked teams in the NFL, you know, and, and everything going on with Rex. I mean, people people literally live to spit on the Jets. And I tell you, if, if the, the Jets aren't going to make the playoffs, I, I guarantee it, lock it up, throw away the key. They're done. D-O-E-N, done, as Jerome would say. But, um... I mean, that's as Bush League as it gets, sir. I mean, you talk about jealousy. Let, let's be honest. The Giants have three Super Bowl championships. The Giants have seven in- titles when it comes to the the NFL in general, the four NFL titles they won before that. I mean, it's a team with history. It's a team that has won. And, yeah, they've been up and down. But the Jets have won nothing. You know, they won in 1969 before either of us was born. So, I mean, what, what do you know about the Jets 16? You don't know anything, you know. Uh, the truth is that the Jets need to grow up. Rex Ryan needs to grow up. He needs to shut up, and he needs to man up. And, it, you know, it, it annoys me as a, as, a, as a football fan, as a sports fan. Guys like Rex Ryan annoy me. And you've always said it that he tries to take away the spotlight from his players, but it seems, at least in my opinion, what he does is he puts more pressure on them because he's talking smack, so they have to back it up. Rex isn't playing on the field. They're the ones doing it. So it looks like Rex is the one who has to... You know, this team has to has to man up for him, and, and I don't think that you're putting your quarterback. I don't think Rex is doing his quarterback any services. It's a disservice, if anything, because he has so much pressure on him already. Already Rex triples it and makes it worse, sir. Yep, and um, let's face it, as a Jeff fan, being, of what, 34 years old? Um, is that how old you are? Yeah, that's about how old I am. Wow, you're old. But the only success that I've seen in, 2000, uh, in, in my lifetime is basically 1998 when the Jets made to the – AFC title game and lost to the Broncos. I've seen success the last two years. And, again, this is success by a Jets definition, a Jets fan's definition, because they haven't won it all, folks. So let's face it, if they had would have won on Saturday, what would they have actually won besides uh, that much closer to get into the playoffs? I don't think yeah, – I mean, the Giants fans really I, – I didn't really appreciate it. Some Giants fans really laid into it. Like, this is our, this is our stadium now and forever. It will always be called Giants Stadium. It's like – all right, can we calm down a little bit? I mean, <laughs> seriously, can we calm down? I mean, you know, you pick on a team. I, I understand that the Jets are becoming disliked, like you said, sir. But, like, what would the Jets have accomplished by just winning, besides winning one game against the Giants? Well, truthfully, that what they would have accomplished is bragging rights because they're not going to play again for, like, what, <laughs> four or seven years? It's nothing. But it's not a Super Bowl. It's sir, not like, how but, do you get bragging rights over one game? Sir, have you ever listened to sports radio? The, the, the morons, and, you know, pardon the expression, but the goofs who listen to, who call in, who talk about this, these guys talking about the Giants, the Jets are jealous of the Giants. They're not jealous of anybody. Giants have won, the Jets haven't. And, you know, the fans buying into the Kool-Aid, it just drives me nuts, sir. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I, I think that the Giants... Um, obviously they have destiny in their own hands right now. They have to go and just, you know, carry the momentum for this week coming up against the Cowboys, and they really need to just show that they are the better team against the Cowboys, which they have shown the last couple of years. I just think that the Giants will go in. And, sir, the game is now flexed into a Sunday night game, so you got to wait all the way until Sunday night again to watch this game, which, you know, as a Giant fan, I would be like, come on. Let's just play this game at 4:15 instead of waiting until 8:15 to watch this game because, you know, you just want to get it done with and get over with and win. The Jets play at one o'clock. Uh, if I'm going to break that down, I'm just going to tell you that the, if the Jets don't score 21 points in the first quarter, I'm telling you the first <laughs> quarter, then the Jets are not winning that game. They need to jump out to a 21 nothing lead and just knock the heart out of the Miami Dolphins. I just think the Miami Dolphins are going to love playing the spoiler role. And I think they're going to absolutely love, especially since it's their rival, they're going to love the fact they're going to knock out the Jets out of the playoffs 
and the Jets are going to have to look at themselves in the offseason and say, we weren't the best, and Rex, I mean, it's time to retool this team with an offensive line, with um, a better defense. I mean, believe it or not, their defense has not played that good this year compared to the last two years. So um, let's let's look in the mirror. I mean, it would almost be a blessing if the Jets didn't make the playoffs. I almost feel like um, that would be their wake-up call, sir. So uh, I think the Giants go out there. What do you think? Do you think the Giants carry the momentum into this week coming up and beat the Cowboys? It's true to the Giants are so up and down that I wouldn't be surprised if they get if they get their doors blown off, they get their faces kicked in, if they get their heads smashed in by the Cowboys. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going into halftime up, you know, thirty-five to three because you know that, that the Giants can play either or. I mean, that game in, in Dallas was amazing, the way they came back. I think honestly, sir, the only thing that worries me is the fact that they're at home. If they were in Dallas, I would lock it up, throw away the key. No way the Giants lose. And obviously I'm going to pick them to win the uh, the NFC East. But uh, it, it definitely worries me because they have not been able to play good at home. So as a Giants fan, yes, I'm picking the uh, the, Cowboy, the the Cowboys to go down. But, I mean, I, would, it, would it surprise me if the Giants lose? Absolutely not. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants lose by quite a few points there. When you look at the rest of the, you know, the upcoming week, um, there's really not that many other games that are that important. I mean, yeah, the Jets have playoff implications. They have to, if they lose, then it's going to be between Tennessee and Cincinnati to get into the playoffs. And then you have the the winner, uh, whoever wins um, between you know Denver has to play. I believe um, I don't know who Denver plays, but I know Denver plays somebody. In the uh, what game is up? Pure gold. Pure gold. Yeah. Yes, sir. But there are there are some interesting games. I think that the, this um, pretty much the Green Bay Packers have locked up in the, with a one seed. They have home field advantage, and the Patriots on the other side of the ball, on the other side of the conference, AFC, have locked up home field advantage. So um, with the with the Patriots, looking at them, their defense is so bad. I don't think they're going to go that far. To be honest with you, I think that they're going to slip up again like they did last year to a team that has a better defense. Um, I don't know who's going to win the AFC because it's so wide open. I guess the, right. you know, I, I guess the Steelers or the Ravens could do it. But um, to be honest with you, the, the NFC is where the power lies. You got teams like the Saints, the Packers, even the 49ers this year. And amazing story, the 49ers, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm jumping on that bandwagon. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure the wife <laughs> is very happy about that. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that believe it or not, besides the Saints, I think the 49ers have a great shot to knock off. The Packers with that defense. I mean, they granted they played with the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of weeks ago on Monday night, and Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. But they still put, they basically didn't they shut they shut the Patriots um, the Steelers out. They only kicked a field goal. That the score was I think twenty to three. Yeah, yeah. So um, that that defense is real, and if they lock up a two seed, the San Francisco 49ers they're going to get a home game in the second round. They win that game, and they're going to go to either Green Bay. Well, let's face it, they're going to go to Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to be an NFC title game. And, you know, anything could happen at that point um, with a great defense. San Fran could make a great run and win the whole thing. You never know. You're absolutely right. And what, it would be amazing. I mean, what, what uh, Jim Harbaugh has done there with uh, with the, the 49ers is just amazing. The way that he's turned the franchise around, they've just truly – I mean, you know, they, they, the, the Niners were a joke a couple of years ago, and here they are, you know, like you're talking about possibly being the number two seed and having one of the best defenses in, in football – you know, it's obviously a great story. You got Drew Brees today, who, uh, who well, last night who passed uh, Dan Marino's all-time single-season passing record. And I mean, sir, I was thinking about Drew, and uh, I, you got to admit, uh, Philip Rivers is decent. He's a good quarterback. I mean, he's had a horrible year, but I mean, the Chargers must be kicking themselves, and you know what, for letting Drew Brees go, sir. Yeah, you're right about that. I think that I mean he is he's one of the best. He's the top of the top. You don't go past Drew Brees in the top three in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks. He's up there, and you know, almost interchangeably, uh, he's just amazing. He's he's a story to to be told. He won the Super Bowl, even though I hated it because he beat the Colts. But uh, I mean, he he's an amazing player, sir. He's absolutely amazing. The way he the way he reads, the way he passes. He's got a cannon for a right arm. I mean, he's just uh, he he's as good as it gets. He is. You put him in the class of Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I mean those four are, are the elite. That is, that's the best. You're, you don't get any better than that. So right now, Aaron Rodgers is the best. But you know, if, if there's a one B, it would probably be uh, be uh, Drew Brees. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't discount Tom Brady. I mean, of course, if there's one game to win, it's. I mean, uh, I think if you have. You mean Paul, other than uh, the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, we're winding up on the season, and like the playoffs are just um, playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs are just so great in in the um, the NFL. They happen so quick, obviously, but. Each game is like I could watch each game even if I'm not the fan of that team. I could watch each game because I just love the playoffs when it comes to the NFL. Um, the one other thing about the, I guess the NFL is that um, you know Tim Tebow, pretty much that that whole like you know everyone believing that Tim Tebow is going to win it all. It just goes to show you that you run into a good defense, um, even though the Patriots didn't have a good defense, believe it or not. But the, the Tim Tebow thing has come down um, a whole lot. I just think that, you know, he's he's not the type of quarterback that really makes it in the NFL these days. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do if they don't win this week and then the Oakland Raiders win that division. Um, other than that, sir, um, that's all I really have on the NFL, unless you have anything. No, no, I think uh, I think we've pretty much covered it. Soup to nuts. I mean, you know, we thought Todd was calling him, but it doesn't look like he is. Uh, you know, we, we covered it pretty much as, as good as it gets, sir. We got the Giants uh, winning this week. The Jets possibly winning. I mean, you know, like I said, both teams could lay a goose egg, and you just have no clue the spoiler could be played by the other, you know, by the uh, the opponent. And uh, I mean, pretty much that's that's. Uh, I would say that covers the NFL, sir. All right. And then this Sunday, this Christmas Sunday, was the opening day for the NBA season, and you know, you had a lot of different games, a lot of great matchups. You know, you had the Celtics and Knicks, you had the Lakers and the the um, the Bulls, you had the Heat rematch against the Mavs. And this season is so condensed right now. One thing that I've noticed is that the Lakers have played every game this season. I mean, every day of the season so far. Sunday they played. They played last night, and they're playing tonight. I mean, I didn't realize that you could actually play three games in a row. But apparently that, you know, the schedule, you know, there's going to be times that teams are going to be playing three games in a row, and the Lakers have started out that way, losing their first two games. So, I mean, if I'm going to look at and dissect some teams early on, I'm going to say that the, the Lakers are pretenders. I don't know if they they have enough tools now that they lost Odom and, the, you know, they don't have no Phil Jackson. Let's face it, this team's 0-2. They could lose tonight to the Jazz and be 0-3. Um, that's interesting. Another interesting fact is that the, the Miami Heat came out and blew out the defending champions in Dallas. I don't know if that's... I guess that's their statement saying that we want our title this year. Right. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's a long season, but I think a team like this that is so fast and so young, I think this this favors their this schedule favors the Heat a lot. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat run away with the East, uh, other than the fact that you're going to make an argument about your your Knicks. But um, the Heat look for real, and they're beating my my Celtics right now by nine points with about five minutes to go. They're up 104 to 95 with about five and a half minutes ago. So um, the Celtics, again, they're, they're old team. There's no Paul Pierce. Um, and then this past Sunday, when we look at the team, they actually played pretty good against the Knicks. It was a, a pretty good game, actually. Um, it came down to a couple of free throws that Carmelo made, sir. But um, other than that, um, I thought the Celtics had a shot to win. They didn't. And now the Knicks, I, I know it's only one game, but I think that they feel like they could really go far this season. Well, of course. I mean, you know, they got Tyson Chandler. They got Carmelo Anthony playing for, you know, with Amari uh, Sotomayor for a quote-unquote full season. I mean, it's definitely going to be an interesting season, sir, with the teams playing more back-to-back and belly-to-belly, to quote uh, the infamous John Sterling. But, uh, you know, this should be a more exciting uh, NFL uh, season, NBA season. I mean, every se- other than other than baseball, I think, which <laughs> pretty much uh, our sports are, are definitely uh, interesting with the teams we, we both root for, sir. Yeah, so it's early on, uh, but you know, even the Mavs last night they lost, and now they're 0 and 2. Both both games were at home, so I don't know if the the pieces that they lost, like Chandler and a couple of people like Barrera, those those guys that are like, you know, they're not well known name wise, but they really contribute to the team. I don't know if those are the pieces that they're going to be missing, and they're not going to win, a, you know, or make a deep run. I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder. It, really didn't lose anybody, they they should make a deep run into the playoffs, I think, if they stay healthy. Um, and I just think the Heat are really a team possessed this year. I think that they want to get back to the finals, and, you know, we'll see what happens from there. I, I don't see a team, you know, the Magic, no. Um, maybe the Bulls, but again, the Bulls, I don't know who they, their matchup is not good against the Heat. So uh, in the playoffs, I think the Heat. Playoffs? <laughs> the playoffs already. 
I'm already talking about the playoffs in basketball. But you you look around, and I honestly think that which is great for me because I don't think the Celtics have enough to win the title this year. Uh, I, I'm all about like being greedy and and not having the Lakers surpass the Celtics in overall titles. You know, that's why you care about me. You, care you, about. You, you're a total dirtbag when it comes to uh, NBA because literally <laughs> that is all you care about. I mean, the Celtics could be horrible, lose every game, and as long as the Lakers don't win, you're happy. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about 17-16, preserving that 17-16 lead okay. overall. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> oh my goodness, you, you, you really make me sick, sir. I, I have to admit. The Knicks, the, the, what the Knicks have shown me, at least in one game, is that they're going to be able to score a lot of points. And I think that um, once Baron Davis comes off uh, his injury, because he started, off, um, started the season with an injury, I think that once Baron Davis comes uh, and plays with this team, with Carmelo and Amari, I think this team is going to actually do really well, too. Um, I, I don't think D'Antonio ever knows how to play defense. Of course not. I, I actually don't think – it's like if – Defense is a religion. He would be an atheist. So I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty much as good of an analogy as I can make for for uh, D'Antoni. Yeah, it's. It, I, I mean, I guess for once, I mean, it would be nice to play a little defense because you can't outscore every team every night. So it'd be interesting. But they're a young team, so um, don't be surprised if they they give the the Heat uh, a good run in the playoffs if they meet playoffs. The playoffs. Um, other than that, again, it's only what the third game, the third day of the season. Um, they're going to be playing these crazy schedules. Like I said, geez, three games are wrong. You never hear that in the NBA. So yeah, well, again, when when you had the lockout and everything you had, I mean, what can you do? I'm sure Kelly uh, w- would agree uh, with the NBA lockout and everything that happened there. You know, I got I had my cousin and uh, <laughs> my cousin in Florida was going nuts, uh, cursing up a storm when <laughs> when the, she thought that the season wasn't gonna wasn't gonna unfold. But I know my wife who's a I'm, I'm sorry. I know uh, our, our call screener, Kelly, who is a huge uh, basketball fan, huge sports fan. I mean, it's all she ever talks about, sports, sports, sports. I mean, nice. to the point where we're thinking of just, you know, calm down a bit, Kelly. But uh, aside from that, um, you know, it, well, what can you say, sir, with the lockout, the way everything's panned out, it's just the games are coming fast and furious. And like I said, I think it's going to be more of an interesting season. And it would kind of be cool if, if – I think they should shorten all every – I mean, other than football, they should shorten baseball, they should shorten basketball. Cut ten games off. Cut fifteen games off. What the hell? You know, finish it. Thirty games to get out and, and go go to the playoffs. It's definitely all about the money, sir. Um, other than that, I think that that puts a nice little bow on basketball talk for tonight. But um, I agree, sir. Did you catch any? I know you're busy lately, but did you catch any wrestling? <laughs> sir, I'm, I'm literally. I just came from painting my apartment, and uh, you know, I got a new apartment. Um, you know, I, I undisclosed location. Let's put it that way. But uh, closer to the PG Studios and. Uh, you know, I've been doing that, running around. Uh, you know, yesterday I had to get a haircut. I had to do quite quite a few things today, just just all all over the place from Nutley to Clifton to Parsippany to Wallington. I mean, just pretty much where where it ends up. But um, truthfully, sir, there's just so many things going on. I did not watch wrestling last night. Hell, I didn't get home till midnight or twelve thirty, I think. I don't even remember, so no. Uh, I, I saw. I haven't checked the uh, DVR because I, I had automatically DVR it, but uh, you know today was hectic also, so I literally haven't had a chance to sit in front of my TV and watch it. But um, nothing of any substance that I saw. Nothing that, that at least um, from mine was, was worth talking about. I think our truth came back or something or other, but I, I don't even know if, if that happened or if it just happened to be on a house show. So, you know, I mean, what can I say, sir? You had the rumble coming up soon. I mean. I don't know. I just this this right now there's not much in it wrestling and that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah, I mean uh, I'll just give you some nuggets that I took from the the show last night. It was it was in Chicago, you know, CM Punk's hometown. So the crowd in Chicago is always one of those huge crowds, they always are into it. Um and CM Punk was put into a gauntlet match. Basically he had to beat three people. If he beat the three people he was gonna be able to face John Laurinaitis in the fourth match. So the gauntlet match ran like this, he had to face Jack Swagger if he beat him, he'd have to face Dolph Ziggler. If he beat him, then he'd have to face Mark Henry. So the match started off. He beat Jack Swagger pretty quick. Um, and then Dolph Ziggler was about to lose to CM Punk. And then, you know, John Laurinaitis came out and said something like, you know, to Vicky, like, you interfered with Jack Swagger. And meanwhile, you know, CM Punk is ready to pin Dolph Ziggler. So he throws Vicky out. He throws Jack Swagger out. And all of a sudden, you know, CM Punk gets into the face of Laurinaitis. Ziggler hits his finishing move. One, two, three, and your main event uh, for the Royal Rumble, which is not right around the corner. It's still a month away from tomorrow or, or Thursday, the 29th. 
Um, your main event for the Royal Rumble is CM Punk versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE title. So that's the one big uh, storyline that came out of last night. And, yes, R-Truth came back and attacked The Miz. Sir, the continuity boggles the mind. Like, only a couple weeks ago, this team was, like, possibly an NWO faction forming, and now all of a sudden they turned R-Truth back to the face, to face Miz, um, heel versus face, typical, you know, heel versus face. It, it, I don't think the crowd is into it. I don't think I'm into it. Um, it's all garbage. Albert Del Rio is hurt, by the way. <laughs> he pulled a groin last week, so he's in a wheelchair. Um, Kane explained. Anytime that Kane has to explain why he attacks John Cena is not good TV. I mean, you know, it's, it's like he was trying to explain, like, you know, why rise above the hate? Why not accept it? it they're just trying to make John Cena heal in this weird, weird, weird way, uh, fourth wall way that I just don't like it. They should, they should just have him beating little children and, and kicking old lady down, an actual right. old lady down the stairs because, I mean, you know, just, just get it over with. Uh, as far as everything else goes, you know, the whole NWO thing, it couldn't happen with Miz and Truth, but instead they're both marginalized and now they both suck. And, you know, that, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. They're they're awful. Um, and it's a shame because they could have been so much more. Um, as far as Cena and Kane, I mean, it's good to see Kane back, but, you know, he's in great shape. Uh, hopefully he'll beat Cena at the World Rumble and put him out of action for a year. Um, as far as Punk and Ziggler, that's actually a good main event for a pay per view. It, it's the Rumble's a weird pay per view because you can't have you can't have like Rock Austin at WrestleMania type of you know it's got to be something smaller smaller scale. Uh, you, you notice typically a lot of the Royal Rumble uh, contestants are people that they're trying out to see if they can make it to main event. I remember one year um, I think uh, Cena fought Brock Lesnar either at the Rumble or at the Elimination Chamber. Uh, no, I'm sorry, the Elimination Chamber that year was uh, whatever pay-per-view, No Way Out was what it was, the February pay-per-view was when Eddie Guerrero won. But the year before that, I believe that Cena was was there, or even at the Rumble, like I said originally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so confused here, but <laughs> uh, Cena fought him before Cena became the monster that he is now. So, you know, it, it's definitely a trying out Ziggler to see if he's going to be able to main event. I don't think he's ready, but uh, that should be a great wrestling match there. And, you know, let's face it, the WWE, the WWE is launching their network next year, which is only a couple of days away. 2012 is a couple of days away. But, awful, um, uh, awful logo, by the way. Awful logo. It looks like the Wonder Woman, you know, two Ws. Sure does. Um, but they don't want to compete against the NFL playoffs. So playoffs? Yeah, basically the, 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 there's a bye week after the, the, the championship games, the AFC title game, and the NFC title game. So that's the only reason why you have to wait until January 29th to watch the Royal Rumble, it's still a month away, and of course, because you can't compete with the NBA, with the NFL playoffs because people are gonna are gonna watch that, especially right before the Super Bowl. I mean, so that, that, that you know it's gonna be watched. Yeah. Now, uh, Monday Night Football sucks now, but but they've had some some rough times going up against them in past years. Yeah, you're right. So, um, the Rumble is still four weeks away. So, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of boring TV ahead, I'm sure, in the wrestling world. So, other than that, sir, as we close out 2011, the calendar year. Not the PG year. Of course. Um, let's just uh, tell the audience uh, what did you do for Christmas Eve and what did you do for Christmas Day? Well, uh, Christmas Eve, I actually went. I was painting at the apartment again on this close location, mm-hmm. um, and then I went to a nice Christmas show over at a Hawthorne Gospel Church. That was cool. They had a lot of nice songs, and it was a it was a nice nice service. Um, aside from that, nothing much. Just hung out with with the wifester and uh, and baby Bella. Uh, Sunday, I went to my mom's house. That was uh, interesting, you know. My parents. I had I had World War Three going on there. I had uh, WrestleMania, the, the Unstoppable Force against the Immovable Object. Right. My mom and my dad. I'm pretty sure that my my dad, uh, you know, went for the body slam, but he got the the, the poke in the eyes and a uh, and a big boot to the face, and then he ended up with a. Well, it was a small package victory for my mom. It, I mean, it, it it was interesting to, to say the least. Um, so much more I could say about that, but I'll pretty much, there was outside interference. I mean, there was all kinds of things going on there. So that was interesting. Um, but it was good. You know, the, the night ended up well. Uh, we ended up visiting some friends and, you know, just, just getting, getting wasted on turkey and, and rice and beans and all kinds of things. So it, it was, uh, it was good. It's always nice to see family and, uh, you know, my family, at least we get together New Year's Day and Christmas Day as opposed to Eve. Um, I know you had... With the wife and then your your um, your family, you guys did the whole separate thing. So I mean, did Sabrina get any any uh, interesting presents? Well, like you said, with Eve, I usually have like a little intimate gathering. It's a a, a big little tradition, big little tradition. <laughs> like with, big trouble in Little China. Right. 
big little tradition with my wife's side of the family, which where where we get together, we eat a little later in the in the night. Well, um, and then we just open our gifts, and then you know Christmas Day is with again um, my side of the family, and we we spent it with like almost like I think it was almost thirty people. In Parsippany. Where, oh, nice. Of course, I wasn't invited to that, but you know, yeah. that's besides the point. That is besides the point. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the thing you realize about Christmas is that it's a great time of year for, you know, if you have a kid. And, you know, Sabrina has gone through that progression. Basically, you know, the first her first Christmas, you have to open her gifts. She has no idea. Right. <laughs> the, the, you know, when she turns one, she kind of understands it. Age two, it's all about unwrapping the box and playing with the box. And then finally, you get to age three. And that's the year that it's really special, sir. That's when she's really High five. High five. She wants to wake up. She wants to open up all the presents and see what she got because she actually gets it. You know, she understands Santa. And I went to we went to church. Um, in the third quarter of the game against the Jets and Giants, there was a four o'clock mass I went to, and uh, they really our church really did it nice. We actually had um, for the entire uh, people that were at the church, we had a birthday cake, and you had actually had kids gather around the birthday cake and sing happy birthday to Jesus. So it was, was really nice. nice. Yeah, it was really nice. I understand. I mean, uh, the, per- the um, I don't know what to say. The person, the negative side of me understands, like you said, sir, uh, and, you know, not to take anything away from Christmas, but let's face it, Jesus was not born on December 25th. No, I, I think, you know, it's funny. Kenny actually put on Facebook, one of our callers, that, you know, you guys know that uh, – <laughs> you guys know that um, Jesus is born in the summertime. I mean, whatever. You know, the point is that you're celebrating his actual birth, whenever that was. Right. Um, you know, it's not so much the date as anything else. But uh, you know, I mean, I know that uh, Santa Santa doesn't come visit visit us. We, <laughs> you know, uh, mom and dad are, are, are laying the smack down over there. But you know, my uh, my daughter got some from pretty sweet gifts from from the family, and it's always nice for her to get. You know, clothes and things like that. I mean, she's got some wipes. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I use those from time to time, so those are good. Uh, you know, very very soft. <laughs> no, it was good though. You know, the, we all had fun, and Isabel has, I just had no clue what's going on by the time she's like three. And the thing is that, you know, her being born at the time of year that she's born, she's literally gonna gonna have to. It's right right after she turns three, she'll probably be understanding everything. But before that, I mean, she's got no clue. You know, my my nephew. He's about a year and a half. Uh, he was going nuts opening the boxes this year, so uh, he was excited about that. But um, you know, it was fun. It was fun getting gifts, and uh, I actually I got like one or two presents. This is the first year that uh, you know I wasn't big on my own presents, and honestly, I didn't even care if I got anything. So I got a couple of gifts. But like you said last show, the most important gift that I got was uh, was the baby. So you know, my wife and I are just thrilled about that, and you know, just just, just excited, pumped up about the whole being a parent situation. And, I mean, Christmas is, is a good time of year. It's also, it's tough, you know. And, I, I mean, I don't know if you have any issues with getting your family together, but with us it's always it's always a thing. This year was nice because her family actually came to have dinner with my family, and we did her family thing on Thursday because her, her other family came out to visit. You know, and we're actually, her family is also coming to, to spend uh, New Year's Day with us, which is nice. So my, my wife and I are big on integrating both sides of the family, making it one family as opposed to just, you know, my family, your family, and, you know, GTH. Well, there you go. I mean, we wish, again, all all the pure gold audience out there a very happy and Merry Christmas time of the year. And then, you know, a couple of days away. Oh, uh, is that all? <laughs> I, I, I think that's all, Chris. Is that all? <laughs> well, you know, we wrap up the, the 2011 calendar year in a couple of days, and 2012 is upon us. Joe you know, in Wallington. People, What's up, Joe? Some people may think that 2012 <laughs> may be the end, you know, with December 21st oh, please. being the end. But, sir, I just want to wish you a very happy New Year to you and your family. And, uh, you know, we're only three months away from the big, hopefully, hopefully the big surprise that we could, you know, introduce to our peer audience. Hopefully. Uh, and, you know, we've done a good job of keeping uh, keeping a lid on that, so... You know, it's been it's been crazy, uh, sir. This whole show, everything, everything going on. You know, I mean, these sound effects. So I don't even know what's going on with these sound effects. I mean, we we got crickets playing. We got Chris Russo telling us to, you know, go to heaven. I mean, just just some some weird weird sound effects on this show. But um, you know, of course, uh, you know, I think that puts a nice little bow, little bow on, <laughs> on Pierre Gold. Like I carry the board out questioning, uh, you know, the choice in, in in sound clips. But folks, of course, we always appreciate you listening to the show. We appreciate you, uh, you know. Spending some time with us. Of course, we appreciate our guest, Miss Pennsylvania, USA 2011. Got to make sure to throw the, the good old USA in there. 
Um, speaking of which, yeah, the troops came back from Iraq, uh, you know, this weekend, uh, Christmas before Christmas. Uh, that's nice. Uh, I'm not sure where, where that's going, but, of course, I don't want to get into politics right now. But I uh, definitely appreciate all of you guys and uh, appreciate our guest and her spending some time with us. Of course, make sure to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for uh, Caitlin Wozniak, who is Maryland Miss 2011, and we're going to be talking about some things that concern women uh, in general and just important things like self-esteem, and, of course, we're going to get into some other things. And, I mean, just just great show, just great stuff going on, sir. So, uh, you know, for I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add, but, uh, you know, I think it puts a nice uh, wrap-up to this one. Sure does. Everyone be safe out there. It's New Year's, you know. If you're going to a party, just be safe. Uh, if you're going to drink, have a designated driver. Have a PG New Year, and we'll see you in 2012. Oh, of course, and uh, for JB, uh, who will will you know be drinking water the the entire evening, right? Uh, and of course for myself, uh, of course, of course for, for DG, um, make sure you folks, uh, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter where you go, you always keep it PG. And as uh, you know, we like to do always to uh, to close out the uh, to close out the show. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. Good night, everybody.